Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. My name is Brandon Keller. I am a, uh, lucky enough to come and talk to you today. And uh, Pastor Jeff is uh, gracious enough to let me uh, share his pulpit every once in a while. And so I'm just thankful to be here. Uh, today's kind of the Keller show here at Stockbridge Community Church, I guess, because uh, uh, we had uh, my daughter Carly was in the, uh, the video a little bit earlier. My wife Tawny was up here a few minutes ago doing offerings. So I guess you could get most of the Keller clan. My daughter Stacia and her husband are out here somewhere also. So... Um, we, we got a whole crew going here today, so thank you so much for being here. So uh, we came to this church about 17 years ago, and, and uh, I was just telling the story backstage that uh, when we moved here from Nevada, uh, my wife and I said, well, we'll start sh- church shopping a little bit because there's so many churches in Georgia. Let's find a church that, you know, fits with us. And so our neighbors invited us to Stockbridge Community Church as the first church we went to shop, and we've never left. Uh, so... I guess when I find something, I just buy it right away because we didn't spend any time shopping. We just bought in right away, and now it's been 17-plus years, so just thankful to be here. So, uh, Also, I want to welcome those of you online. Thank you so much for joining us from your couch today. We're glad you're here uh, joining us as well, so thanks for being here. So I wanted to tell you this story. Um, Back when we were living in Nevada... Uh, we used to have family in Northern California, and so it was about an hour and a half drive over the Sierra Nevada mountains uh, to get back and forth between Reno and Auburn where our family was, and so we would make that drive all the time, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big mountain pass, and I know you guys think you have mountains here, but they're not really mountains because it's like 7,200 feet is the elevation of the Sierra Nevadas, and so you'd start at like 1,500 in Auburn, go over 7,200, and then drop back down into Reno at about... 3,000 feet above sea level, and so pretty big treacherous pass, and it would snow all the time at a moment's notice. You never know when it's going to snow and all that, and so I was driving by myself for whatever reason, and it was was getting nighttime, and it was getting kind of dark, and uh, it had just started to snow a little bit, and people just are crazy when it starts to snow. They, They don't know what to do, and so everybody was driving pretty slow and cautious, luckily, and I came around a turn, and I, I noticed a car with its hazards on on the side of the road. And I noticed that there was a lady outside of the car kind of looking at her car or whatever. I'm like, well, I should definitely stop and see what's wrong. And so I pulled over, and this lady was there with a flat tire on her car. Uh, she had a, a young daughter with her in her car, and she has no idea how to change a tire, if her car has a tire, anything. And so... Um, I'm like, okay, I will definitely help you out here. So I'm like, it's in the trunk. So we pop the trunk, and her trunk is full. I mean, like, I don't know. Anyway, it's full. So we unload most of her life out of the trunk. So on the side of the road, in the snow. And so I, I, I get her spare tire out, and I change her tire and uh, send her on her way. And, and uh, I'm all dirty and stuff, but I had helped this person on the side of the road. And, and I realized after that that, it feels good to do good. 
I was like so proud of myself. I don't know if, it was like if I was on an ego trip or what, but I was like telling all my friends about it. I'm like, dude, I saved a woman on the side of the road. It was amazing, right? It was like, I just helped somebody, but I felt like so lifted up in the fact that I helped somebody on the side of the road. And so I tell you that story because we're going to talk today about the Good Samaritan. And this is a story you've heard probably a million times, and so I don't want you to tune out because I'm going to try to tell you this story in maybe a way you haven't heard it before. And so if you've grown up in church, you've heard this story a million times. If you've, this is your first time in a church, you've still probably heard the story of the, of the Great Samaritan. It's probably one of the most famous stories ever told or written. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the entire verse to you so we have a good context, and then I'm going to go back and kind of break down everything about the Good Samaritan. So I'm going to start in Luke 10.25, and uh, you guys have it on your uh, bulletin there, or it's up on the screen behind me. So it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, or a Levite they were called, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Then Jesus says, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Right? We've all heard this story of the great Samaritan. And... What I want to do is kind of talk about each little section of this because there's so much going on. And just like we've heard in all these other parables we've been going over in the summer series is just, you know, there's always more than just that surface level in Jesus's parables. And so let's start at the very beginning. It says, back up at the beginning, it said, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus, test Jesus by asking him this question, what should I do to inherit? Inherit eternal life. This happened quite a bit to Jesus because they kept, these religious experts kept trying to test him in everything that they, he was saying. And so 
I'm sure that this guy was hoping that Jesus in front of this group of people would say something about, oh, by grace you are saved, because that's what it says in Ephesians. And so that was kind of the message Jesus had been saying, is that you are saved by grace. And so um, I'm sure that's what the religious expert was hoping Jesus would, Jesus would say. And that's why he was trying to trick him or test him in this. And so, but as usual, Jesus knew the man's heart. Jesus knew what the guy was trying to do, because he's Jesus. And so he kind of knew what this guy was up to already. So he just responded with a question to him um, back and, and kind of said, you know, well, what, what does the law of Moses say? And this guy is a religious expert, so he should know what the law of Moses says. And he does. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which is correct. That is right out of Deuteronomy and Leviticus this guy had the right answer, and Jesus even responds with, you're right. Now go do this, and you will live. Now, maybe it's because I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm, but when I read, y'all have that spiritual gift too? Um, when I read this, I see Jesus kind of being sarcastic to this guy in the fact that, you know, he makes it pretty easy. It's like, yeah, all you got to do is just love God perfectly and love your neighbor perfectly all the time without fail, and you'll have eternal life. That sounds easy, right? Just go do that. This guy's like, mm, that doesn't sound easy. And so the guy is already kind of probably getting backed up in this conversation because Jesus just kind of laid the heat on him with this line. And now the guy makes the classic blunder where he really tries to go after Jesus, and he does this. He says in verse 29, he says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Have you ever noticed that when you're trying to go against God's will, you have to justify your actions? You're, you're justifying your actions when you're not doing what's in God's will. That's exactly what this guy's doing. Because what this guy's trying to say is that I'm doing a lot already. I'm already doing a ton, so, you know, who is my neighbor? Because I think I'm pretty much covering everybody that's my neighbor already because, you know, I, I give at church and, you know, and I pray for people. That's probably enough, right? I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. But I've made some comments in my life, and maybe you've made some of these too, that where you're trying to justify your actions and it goes against the will of God, like everybody's doing it, right? I can stop whenever I want. It's not hurting anybody, right? It's like, it's like, it doesn't have control over me. Whenever you're saying these types of phrases, you are trying to justify your actions. And so you have to be very careful because when you're trying to justify your actions, you need to take a deep breath and go, is this in God's will, whatever it is I'm doing? So what happens when you're justifying your actions is pride is getting between you and God. Because God is, God's will for you is one thing, but your pride is telling you to do something else or allowing you to justify what you're doing somewhere else. And I love how they say it in Proverbs 16, 18 in the message version. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And so you, we all need to be very careful, whether it's something we're doing that's 
bad, a sin that we're trying to justify, or maybe like this religious expert, we're trying to justify that, oh, I already do enough, I don't need to do that also. That, that sounds like a lot extra. And so what my first fill-in for you on your outline is this. My pride will interfere with God's will. My pride will interfere with God's will. So I love Jesus in this scenario because this guy asked Jesus a question, who is my neighbor? Jesus doesn't answer the guy's question. He just breaks straight into a story. Can you imagine asking somebody like, hey, how far is the Woodstock? And they just start a whole story about, well, you see this one time. I was you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I asked how far it is to Woodstock. Why are you telling me this whole story? But this is what Jesus does. And so Jesus just starts this story. And he starts in verse 30 and it says, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now there's a picture of this actual trail, this road up on the screen. And this road is more like a trail. It is rocky. It's desert-like conditions. It's about a 14-mile walk down this mountainside between Jericho and Jerusalem. And so this is a pretty famous road. The whole road is probably no wider than the center aisle or any of these aisles in the church. So it's not really a road per se. It's more of a trail I like to think of. And so when he's talking about this, this, this road, everybody knows this road because it's famous for people being injured, robbed, all of that type of stuff happens on this trail slash road all the time. And so I want you to think about when, these, when they say road, they're really talking about a pretty narrow path slash trail as everything happens on this. So um, Jesus continues in verse 31. He says this, he says, by chance, a priest came along. Now, when he says priest, he's talking super high level religious leader. So maybe for you, that's Pastor Jeff or Charles Stanley or T.D. Jakes, whoever that person is that you hold in super high esteem, that's who he's talking about. He says, but when he saw the man lying there, so he noticed the man, when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. Now, he didn't really, he's probably still had to like step over this guy because the trail's so narrow. I mean, he didn't really like get way out of the way here. And then it says, a temple assistant or a Levite. So a temple assistant, for me, that's like somebody that's helping the priest, right? So for me, maybe that's like Chin, our worship leader, or Chemo, uh, our student pastor is like holding it down, right? That's, they're the Levite of that, of that time. And it says, they walked over and looked at him lying there, but also passed by on the other side. Probably didn't want to get any blood on their fresh Nikes, right? So that's probably why they kind of, you know, walked around. And so Jesus, as he's telling this story, really goes to the extreme on this next part of the story. And this is something that's super polarizing to them. He says, this translation, I love the way it says it. It says, then a despised Samaritan comes along, came along. That's pretty clear, right? A despised Samaritan came along. It wasn't this one Samaritan. That was all of the Samaritans despised by the Jewish people. Jews 
hated Samaritans. And they had hated each other for like 700 years. They had hated each other. In fact, the Jewish leaders in temple would say prayers like, thank you, God, that there will be no Samaritans in the afterlife. That's how bad they hated these people. And so Jews considered Samaritans unpure because 700 years ago in the tribes of Jericho, there was all this, sorry, tribes of Israel, uh, there was all these uh, tribes and, they, and the, the Samaritans had kind of intermarried and like brought in some other religions and stuff. So I like to think of them kind of as, as the muggles of, of that time frame. If you know what Harry Potter is, you got that reference. And so they were kind of like, you know, not liked by the Jewish people. These guys are traveling with Jesus and they're like, let's rain down fire and burn them. They said this to Jesus, right? It's just like, this is in Luke 9. This isn't just made up for a movie. This is in Luke 9, right? And so this is how bad they hated him. But let's see what the despised Samaritan does in the verse. It says, then the despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. So olive oil and wine is what they would use to like treat a wound like an antiseptic. It's not medicating with wine like some of you might do. It's different than that. But then he took the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. He didn't just drop him off at an inn. It says where he took care of him at the inn. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll repay you when I return. So Jesus wraps up this whole story to answer this one guy's question of who is my neighbor. And Jesus says this to the man. He says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits. This guy obviously knows he's trapped, right? It's just like Jesus just laid out this story. This guy has no other answer other than to say, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Notice the guy was so disgusted by the idea of a Samaritan kind of being the hero of this story. He couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He just said the one who showed him mercy because it it was it's just disgusting to even say the word Samaritan, give them credit for that type of thing. And then Jesus says this famous verse, yes, now go and do the same. Yes, now go and do the same. It reminds me of what we say here at SCC when we say, what good can I do today, right? That's, that sounds a lot like what Jesus is saying is, now go and do the same. So what I wanted to give you is three ways that I think if we can do to kind of change the world and what, can I, what good can I do today, and it's on your outline, it's this. It says, take notice, have compassion, and take action. Take notice, have compassion, and take action. If you want to help people, if you want to make a difference, you have to do all three of these things. I will say the first one can be relatively easy if you work at it, right? You have to notice those people hurting around you. It may not be a man covered in blood laying on the street. 
It may just be somebody hurting that maybe can't pay for their groceries today or, or just need a hug or whatever that is. You have to notice that. You have to open your eyes and open your heart for those people that God is putting in your path so that you can take notice of them. And next, you have to have compassion for them. What is compassion? The dictionary defines compassion as sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. And here's the thing about compassion. How much compassion you have for somebody will determine step three, which is to take action. And so one thing I wanted to point out, because this is something I struggle with, is you'll notice nowhere in the story, in the parable, does the Samaritan worry that this guy is a con artist. The Samaritan never thinks, what if this guy is faking it just trying to get some money from me? What if this guy's just trying to get a hotel stay? Because that's what I do. I don't know if you've ever done that where I'm like, that might be a need or that might be, guy might be ripping, us, ripping me off. Maybe, right? And so it's not up for us to decide that. If God prompts you to do something, you need to act. And what, how that person reacts to your action is between them and God. Our prompt is to have compassion and take action when we are prompted by God to do that. Don't worry about the lasting consequences if that person's using that money in the way you see fit or that, that help that you provided in the way that you see fit. All too often, though, we're willing to take action, but only if it's easy. Only if it's something that's not inconvenient for us, right? Like the priest and the Levite in the story, they're probably in their fresh white robes. They didn't want to get blood on them, you know? It, it, maybe they were in a hurry. It, it would have been inconvenient for them to help that Jewish man lying on the side of the road beaten and robbed, right? And so we have to be careful because we'll get in that trap of only doing what's easy as well. And so we might retweet or share something and we think, oh, we're making a difference. We might even change our profile picture to the Ukrainian flag or change our profile picture to a black square. That's easy. That doesn't cost you anything. That's one click. You didn't change anything. You didn't, you didn't take action. You click something. Real compassion is messy. Clicking is clean. Compassion can be messy. Because when you get involved in somebody's life and you're trying to really make a difference, that can get messy for you. But that's what we've been called to do. Now go and do this, right? What good can I do today? To say you care and not act is to not care at all. So you can say you care, but if your actions don't match that, you really don't care. It says this in James 2.17, it says, it is the same with faith. If it doesn't cause us to do something, it's dead. So this is the next step I have for you on the back of your connection card. It says, I will take action when I see a need. So if you'll check that box, that that's, your, that's your, your work for this week and going forward is I will take action when I see a need. So the verse says also that the good Samaritan gave the innkeeper two silver coins. And now historians have kind of argued about the value of those two silver coins and what that really means. But from all my research, it looks like that would have provided a stay at the inn for about two weeks to two months is kind of the range that they think that was. So imagine, you know, 
forking out whatever it costs for somebody you don't even know, maybe somebody you despise, to stay at the Motel 6 for two weeks to two months. That's what this person has done. And he told the innkeeper, don't worry if it runs over that, I'll repay you even more later, right? But Jesus gave us clear instructions. Go and do the same. So are you ready to do that? Are you ready to stop every time you see somebody in need, put them in your car, take them someplace, give them a hot meal, put them up for as long as they need? Is that what you're ready to do? Because that's what it says, to love everyone like you love yourself. And if there's somebody I love, it's me, right? And so who is that, you know, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to to give all the time consistently like the Good Samaritan did in this story? Because that sounds tough, quite honestly. But I have some bad news for you, and here's the bad news. You probably can't do it. You can't, you can't love God and love your neighbor and love everybody you run into perfectly 100% of the time. You can't do it. You can't take notice, have compassion, and take action in absolutely every instance that comes across. And I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's what we're supposed to be doing, right, is, is doing that. But you can't do it. You're going to fall short. You're going to not be able to do it. You probably can't even do that for your own family, let alone people you despise, right? We won't even help our own family sometimes, let alone people we despise. But here's the good news is there's a good plot twist to this entire story. You are not the good Samaritan of the story. You are not the good Samaritan in the story. You may try to identify as the good Samaritan. You are not the good Samaritan in the story. Only one person can be that good Samaritan and love perfectly, and that is Jesus. Jesus is our good Samaritan. So right now, you're one of two other characters in this book. The first character, or book, sorry, story, the other person you might be in the story right now is you may be that person lying on the road. Maybe you haven't been beaten up physically, but you've been beaten up mentally. You've been robbed of your joy. You've been abandoned by friends and family. You, you've been searching for meaning and you cannot find that meaning. And you just, you don't know what to do. You're, you're, you're kind of lost and, and you're trying to find your way, but you can't figure it out. And Jesus, as our good Samaritan, is here to lift you back up, to pick you up, to heal those wounds. He already paid the ultimate price at the cross for you so that you can have a better life. And so today, if you are that person, if you are struggling and, and beaten up, God is here to rescue you, to be that good Samaritan for you. So if everyone will just bow their heads with me. God, I know there's somebody here right now in this room, God, or watching online, God, that's hurting, that's broken, that it's just not sure what path to take, God. But God, you are here for them, God, as their good Samaritan, God, to lift them up, to, to continue to, to just heal them, God, to save them.
God, I just, I just know you're gonna be able to do this today, God. God, if there's somebody out there hurting, God, God, let them just be lifted up, God. Let them say, God, forgive me of my sins, God, and come into my life, God. Be my good Samaritan. God, thank you so much. In your name we pray, amen. If you made that decision today, there's a box on your connection card you can check that said, I accepted Christ. And we'll send you some information. That's the best decision you can ever make. That's the decision I had to make when I came to this church 17 years ago. And so if maybe you're not that person beaten up on the side of the road, you're another character. And this is for the church, the big C. We are the innkeeper. Jesus is gonna bring the broken and the hurting to us. It is our job to care for them when he brings them. It is our job to show compassion. Jesus says, when I return, I will repay you for all that you have done. That is our job. That is what we've been called to do. We are the innkeeper of the story. And so how can you do that? How can you help the broken and the hurting? You can give a hug, you can give a smile here in this building, but you can go into our community. You can, you can come to our next Serve Saturday. Last Saturday I was here in this building and we packed 600 backpacks for students at three different schools so that those kids can go to school with dignity, right? We can make a difference. Jesus is gonna bring those people to us. It is our job to care for them. So today, when the band comes to play, this is what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to talk to God and ask him this question. God, what breaks your heart and let it break mine? God, so that I will see those people that need it. I will, I will take notice. I will have compassion. I will take action. Ask God to put those people in my sight so that I can take notice, have compassion, and take action. That's your challenge to you today. Go ahead and stand and we'll pray. God, thank you so much, God, for being our good Samaritan. God, I know somebody here today, God, made that decision to make you the Lord of their life, God. And God, I'm just so thankful for that. God, as the church, God, equip us, God, empower us, God, to be your hands and feet, God. When you bring the broken and the hurting to us, God, let us welcome them with open arms, God. Let us go into our community, God, God, locally and globally, God, to, to make a difference because that's what you called us to do. What good can I do today? Now go and do the same. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.